Section 8 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 11, January 13, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vicki Pelton, Estes Park, Colorado. www.curiousbunny.com Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 11, January 13, 1880. Charlie Bennett's Ghost Story by Mrs. Margaret Itinge. It is a sin to steal a pin as well as any greater thing, sang little Al Smith in a loud, shrill voice. Very good sentiment, but very poor rhyme, drawled Hen Rowe, whose father was a poet, patting the singer's flaxen head in a patronizing manner. Talking of stealing, said Charlie Bennett, dropping the pumpkin he was turning into a lantern. Did I ever tell you fellers about the time I went down to old Pop Robbins to steal apples and came back past the barn where the horse thief hung himself years and years ago because he knew the constables, they called them constables in those times, were after him and that he'd be hung by somebody else if he didn't? No? Here's a ghost story for you then and I hope it will be a warning to you all never to take anything that doesn't belong to you, especially apples. You see, Billy Evans and I were staying with our folks at the hotel in Bramblewood that summer, and about two miles away was Pop Robin's farm. He used to bring eggs and chickens and vegetables and fruit to the hotel. And oh my, wasn't he stingy? You'd better believe it. He wouldn't even give you two or three blackberries. If you asked him for an apple, he'd tremble all over. A regular old miser he was, with lots of money and a bully apple orchard. Let's go there some night and help ourselves, says Billy Evans one day. Dogs, says I. Only one, says he. I know him, and so do you, old Snaggletooth. I gave him almost all the meat we took for crab bait the day we didn't catch any. All right, says I. But when the night we'd agreed on came, Billy had cousins, girls, down from New York, and he had to stay home and entertain them. I don't care much for girls myself, and I was afraid they might want me to help entertain them too. So I made up my mind to go down to Pop Robbins alone. It was a splendid night. The moon shone so bright that it was almost as light as day. I scudded along, whistling away, until I got within half a mile of the orchard. And then I stopped my noise and walked as softly as possible till I came to the first apple tree. I shinned up that tree in a jiffy. Old Snaggletooth didn't put in an appearance. Filled my bag with jolly fat apples and slid down again. But when I came to lift the bag up on my shoulder, I found it was awful heavy to carry so far. And I was just a-going to dump some of the apples out when I remembered all of a sudden that if I cut across the meadow to the plank road... I could get back to the hotel in a little more than half the time it would take to go the way I came. So I shouldered my load and was nearly across the meadow before I thought of the haunted barn at the end of it. It wasn't a nice thing to remember, but I wasn't a-going to turn back, ghost or no ghost, and I tried to whistle again, when all at once 
that thing Al Smith was singing just now popped into my head. And says I to myself, That's so. Charles F. Bennett, you and your chums may think it's great fun to help yourselves to other people's apples and watermelons and such things. But it's just as much stealing as though you went into a man's house and stole his coat. It doesn't seem as bad when you're going for him. But when you're coming back, up a lonely road, all alone, at 10 o'clock at night, a lot of stolen apples on your back, and a haunted barn not far off, it seems worse. All the same, I held on to the apples. And when I faced the barn, I determined I'd whistle if I died in the attempt. But boys, I don't believe anyone could have told that Yankee Doodle from Old Lang Syne. I tell you my heart jumped when I passed the tumble-down old place. But it stood still when, as I marched up the plank road, I heard a step behind me. I wheeled around in an instant, but there was nothing to be seen. The moon shone as bright as ever, but there was nothing to be seen. I must have imagined it, says I to myself, and I walked a little faster, listening with all my might. And sure enough, pat, 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 came the step after me. Again, I wheeled around. Not a thing did I see. And again, I started on, the apples growing heavier and heavier. Pat, 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 came the step. It wasn't like a human step. That made it more dreadful. It must be the ghost, I thought. And I don't mind telling you, fellers, I never was so frightened in my life. The time I fell overboard was nothing to it. I made up my mind. When I reached the bridge that crossed a little brook near our hotel, I'd streak it. I hadn't exactly run yet, for I was saving my strength till the last. But before I got to the bridge, says I to myself, I must have said it out loud, though I didn't mean to, perhaps he wants the apples. Apples, repeated a hoarse voice with a horrid laugh. I tell you, boys, those apples flew, and I flew too. Over the bridge I went like lightning and ran right into Barney Reardon, one of the stablemen who was coming to look for me. Something has followed me, I gasp, from the haunted barn, the ghost. Did you see it? Says he. No, says I, though I turned around a dozen times to look for it. But I heard it, pat, 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 behind me all the way. And it's behind you now, says Barney, bursting into a loud laugh. I jumped about six feet. There it is, says Barney, roaring again and pointing to Pop Robin's tame raven. The sly old thing looked up at me, nodded its shining black head, croaked, Apples! and walked off. It had followed me from the barn, and every time I wheeled quickly around, it hopped just as quickly behind me, and so, of course, I saw nothing but the long road and the moonlight on it. But I never want to be so scared again, and if ever any of you boys go for anything belonging to other people, don't count me in. What became of the apples? asked Jerry O'Neill. If you'd have been there, I could have told you, said Charlie. The House That Bell Built, or The Sad End of a Little Girl's Romance. Sitting alone in the firelight's flare, this is the house that Bell built. This is the girl with the golden hair that lived in the house that Bell built. This is the garden fresh and fair. Were played the girl with the golden hair. 
that lived in the house that Bell built. These are the peaches, sweet and rare, that grew in the garden, fresh and fair, where played the girl with the golden hair that lived in the house that Bell built. This is the great and terrible bear that ate the peaches, sweet and rare, that grew in the garden, fresh and fair, where played the girl with the golden hair that lived in the house that Bell built. This is the prince with noble air who killed the great and terrible bear that ate the peaches sweet and rare, that grew in the garden fresh and fair, where played the girl with the golden hair that lived in the house that Bell built. This is the wedding beyond compare in which the prince of noble air, who killed the great and terrible bear, that ate the peaches so sweet and rare, that grew in the garden fresh and fair, married the girl with the golden hair, that lived in the house that Bell built. This is the housemaid, Biddy McNair, with face so red and arms so bare, who took the poker without a care and slew the prince of noble air, who killed the great and terrible bear that ate the peaches so sweet and rare, that grew in the garden fresh and fair, and married the girl with the golden hair that lived in the house that Bell built. End of section 8. Recording by Vicki Pelton. Estes Park, Colorado, www.curiousbunny.com.